0: This is the Heartland Community Church Podcast, titled Citizens of Heaven, Part 1, with lead pastor, Eric Parks. So, um, I try not to get on Facebook, anybody else, like Facebook right now is very, very challenging, Um, very challenging to read, and it was interesting. I've, I've been trying to stay away from Facebook, especially in this season, you know, we are four weeks away from an election, and it is like just, the energy is like, it's just like, And I came across a post, and it was a long post from somebody that I know. And, and I know them as like their follower, he's a follower of Jesus, loves God with all his heart. And um, I was so surprised by the energy in his um, post, towards politics like it was like anger it was seething I was and then I went back and I started reading a bunch of posts and I got to thinking about the climate that we're in and I'm like look I know this guy I know who he is this the energy was so surprising to me and I thought I wonder I wonder if this is unique Or if there's a lot of people who find themselves in this same position where there's something like just boiling over and as followers of Jesus, we're posting things on social media, we're putting it out on the internet and this thought came to me. I thought if he would post with the same veracity about Jesus and the gospel that he's posting about politics, what would that look like? And I'm not trying to judge him or put him down, I just wonder sometimes, as followers of Jesus, if we mistakenly put our allegiance in things other than Jesus. So here's what we're doing. We're starting a four-week series, it's called Citizens of Heaven. So Steve and I are gonna talk in this next four weeks about politics. We're gonna talk about what does it mean as Christ followers. And listen, I know like politics is the third rail and like you touch that and you're gonna get electrified. (laughs) Um, But we're gonna talk about as citizens of heaven, what is our responsibility? How are we to engage in what is like a crazy, crazy season? How are we supposed to do this? And that's what we're going to talk about, and um, I'm going to look at it, Steve and I are going to look at it around politics, political theory, but we're going to look at it through the lens of Scripture. Like, what does the Bible say to us? Because here is what's most important. We have to get this straight. You certainly are Americans. We, I I think, all of us are Americans. (laughs) But our loyalty, our loyalty lies as citizens of heaven, right? As followers of Jesus, here's what we have to be clear about. There is one kingdom that will last forever, but only one, only one. So um, we're gonna look at this today. This week's message is on unity. When we think about citizens of heaven, this idea of unity, and I gotta tell you, I am extremely indebted um, to a brilliant theologian. His name is Dr. Brian Lourdes um, he is absolutely fantastic. So much of my message, I'm indebted to him uh, and, and his thinking and his work. And um, here's what I want to do. If you're at home, like, pull out your Bibles. I'll, we'll wait for a second. Go get a Bible. Most of you will have them on your phones. If you have your Bibles, I want you to pull them out. <clears throat> We're going to stay grounded. This message in Ephesians chapter 2. So, Flip to your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2. Those of you at home, um, go to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read through Ephesians chapter 2. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to dissect this text. And I think it's going to help us understand this idea of unity as citizens of heaven. So let's read this. says this, uh, Apostle Paul writes this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. So the Apostle Paul sets out Ephesians 2 really clearly. He said, listen, once all of you used to do this, right? He's saying everybody. Now listen, he follows up. He says, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. This is at the heart of the gospel, right? That every single one of us, we used to be that way. Mm-hmm. You, know, you think back to, I think back to college and the way that I lived for a, a pretty long season and I go, yeah, that resonates. Mm-hmm. So the Apostle Paul's laying this out. He's like, it's, it's, it's like this qualifier brings equality mm-hmm. that all of us were jacked up, right? So that's what he's saying. So here, here he goes on and he says, he says, um, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. Uh Everybody. Uh He goes on in verse 4. But God was so rich in his mercy that he he loved us so much that even though, right, that we were dead. Because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And and then he, he goes on to say, it is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. Now listen, this is key. This is key to the gospel. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of incredible wealth of His grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all He has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. God saved you by grace Uh when you believed. Not by what you did, not because you somehow had an up on anybody else, not because you were smarter. He says it really clearly. He saved us by grace, not because you had merit, but because you believed. Period, done, finished, right? And then he goes, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And then he says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Now, in our Bibles, there is a break, right? In your Bibles, there is a break. And I think so often this break doesn't serve us well because this is normally where we stop when we talk about the gospel. Uh We stop right here at Ephesians 2.10. Right, We understand this, that there is, um, we have fallen, we're broken, all of us, we've fallen way short. Then Jesus, because he loved us so much, created a way for us. Mm -hmm. Nothing that we did, we just believe, and Jesus brings us into his family. Mm -hmm. It's up and down, right? There was an up and down, me and him. Unfortunately, if that's where you stop with the gospel, Then you only have an up and down version of the Bible. So I want you to pick up reading verse eleven. Now look what look what the apostle Paul says, because this is all one single thought that the apostle Paul puts out. He says, "Now don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders." Mm -hmm. Now let me stop. This is a reference to ethnicity. If you are a Gentile, you are not a Jew. Now listen, listen to what the Apostle Paul goes on and says. He says, you were called uncircumcised heathens. Like he's like reminding them, Jews don't like you. You're a heathen. You're worthless. You're a Gentile. The Apostle Paul goes on and says, by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies, not their hearts. That's a little dig. It's a little dig. He made a little dig. Then he goes on. He goes in verse 12. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So he's talking to the Gentiles. He's saying, you didn't have a hope. You didn't have future. You had no access to God. You couldn't get to him. Jews wouldn't let you. You had to worship in the outer court. Now listen to what he says. He goes on to say, God had had made to them, you lived in this world without God, without any hope. Now in verse 13, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He's united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. I'm gonna come back to that. That is a massive, massive theological statement about the power of the gospel. Now, he goes on to say, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, our hostility towards each other. They were put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Now, Amen. this is, has massive implications. Ephesians 2.10 speaks to an up and down relationship with Jesus, right? This is what all of that first part of Ephesians 2 does, one through 10. That we are adopted into God's family, all of us. That we are sealed, right? With his Holy Spirit, we are sealed into a relationship. That we're secure in God. Yeah, Yeah, And that through the cross... Even though God was angry, now I do wanna pause on that. I love that the Apostle Paul pulls out angry. And sometimes that messes with us when we're thinking about this up and down relationship. I'll hear some of my friends go, now wait a minute, wait a minute. So is God a loving God or an angry God? Which is he? Because I read this and it's like, God's mad. Is he mad at me? You can't be mad and love me. I'm like, are are you married? Because I can promise you, there are lots of days where my wife loves me yeah. and hates me. She's like, Why can't you pick up your socks? Why don't you it's the wiping off the counter. The wiping off the counter, like when I don't wipe off the counter, it's like it's all right there. It's just dirt. You see it with your eyes. So you can love and be angry in the same same voice, right? So the apostle Paul lays this out. He said, Look, sin is Got in the way, uh-huh. God was angry with us, but then he provided a way for us, right? And then then this is huge. He lays out the idea of grace. He says, look, this is God's unmerited favor on you. This is this relationship with you. He, it, you didn't get some sort of merit scholarship. Come on, come Nobody on. in this room, anybody out there. I know some of us, man, my wife makes fun of me. She says, you, you, there's lots of thing, times when you think everything you've done is really great. Like every meal you've cooked is great. You're like, you'll cook something. Be, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. When it comes to the gospel, none of us got a merit scholarship. Can we be clear? Yes. A daily, my oldest I know merit scholarships, I know how they work, because she went to school in California at Westmont, and she got this great brain, and she got a merit scholarship. You rewind 20 years later, that they paid her to go to school. My God. They paid her to go to school. I can promise you, when I applied to the prestigious University of Kansas, no one was paying me to go there, oh, no. right? <laughs> I did not get a merit scholarship, I barely got in. See, this is actually probably a better reference to how I feel about God's grace because I feel sometimes like I'm barely getting in, right? Like I I know who I am. And I don't have a merit scholarship. Mm. Nobody does. See, this is the beauty of grace. Mm. Mm. There is none of that. And I think so often this is what, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we bank on this first part. It's up and down. And when, when we start to wrap our ha- heads around verses 1 through 10, it does drive you to your knees. And what, what, I, what I fear mm. is what happens so often. Like We absorb the first portion, and our entire relationship is just up and down. The gospel's just up and down. So I try to learn more, and we should learn. And I, I try to go to quiet times more, and I try to get with God more, and all those things we should do. But if we miss the second part of Ephesians, we miss a portion of the gospel. It's not just up and down. Yeah. It's not just that. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole other dynamic. And we shouldn't be surprised that there's a side-to-side relationship to the gospel too. Yeah. Like there's a side-to-side. Yeah. Now look, look, look how Jesus says this. In Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, he says, You shall love the Lord God with all of your heart, of your soul and all your mind, right? Up and down. You should do that. But second, you should love your neighbor yeah. as yourself. There is side to side. In 1 John 4, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, Come on. what are they? They're a liar. He mm-hmm. cannot. For he who does not love his brother, you cannot love God. You cannot have up and down if you don't understand side to side. You cannot fully understand the gospel if we don't understand what it means for our brothers. I want you to think about what the Apostle Paul did, not just what he said. So think about this. The Apostle Paul so believed in the power of this side to side gospel that when he went out, you have to look at what he did on his missionary journeys, okay? So not only does he write about the side-to-side of the gospel that we should be reconciled to each other, this is what he would do. The Apostle Paul would show up in a city, right? And what's the very first thing the Apostle Paul did anytime time he showed up in a city, whether it was Athens or Ephesus or Corinth? First thing, he'd go and he'd find the synagogue where the Jews were. He'd go share the Torah. They'd sit down. They'd sort of... Spit Torah back and forth. They would get into it. They'd break bread. Then he would present the gospel. He'd reconcile his Jewish brothers to the gospel. Now, what's the second thing that the Apostle Paul would do? He'd ask the Jews, where all the Gentiles hang out? So in Athens, he went to Mars Hill, right? In Ephesus, he went to the Hall of Tyranius. He'd go find the Gentiles. And then he'd do the same thing. He'd hang with the Gentiles he'd tell them the second part of Ephesians 2, like, oh yeah, you can be reconciled. I know the Jews wouldn't let you be reconciled. You can be reconciled. Now, what he does next is paramount. It speaks to the idea of unity within the church and the power of the Mm multi-ethnic congregation. He would set up a church, Church of Jesus, and he would force the Jews and the Gentiles to be one church, not two, mm-hmm. not two. Yes, sir. He would not let the Jews set up a church on one side of town mm-hmm. and the Gentiles on the other. Mm-hmm. Now you, you realize these people hated each other. Mm-hmm. They did not like each other. Mm-hmm. They did not like the way that each other sounded. Yeah. They didn't like the way that each other looked. Come on. This is ethnicity. The Apostle Paul says, I will not let you set up two churches because there are not two gods. Come on. Right. Mm-hmm. There's Come but on. one. There is but one. And so this is the power of the multi-ethnic church. See, when you begin to think about the gospel. Yes, sir. Isn't that the power of the gospel, that it can reconcile us to God, but it reconciles us together? Yes, sir. Right? Isn't that the power of the gospel? And if you think about this day and age that we live in, isn't it true that nothing could speak more to the power of the gospel than a place... That looks so utterly different, but is totally reconciled to each other. Like united in ways that you cannot explain except through the gospel. Mm. Like white, black, brown, young, old, men, women. Like isn't there something beautiful in this picture when people walk by and go, how in the world does a place like that exist? Because it doesn't exist anywhere else on the planet. Mm. Come on. I love, I love what um, Brian Lourdes says. He puts it this way. He says, Paul tethers ethnic unity to the cross. Mm. He goes on to say, the multi-ethnic church is one of the most profound apologetic for the veracity of the gospel. Mm. See, our roots are multi-ethnic. Mm-hmm. It is not a style thing. It is a theology thing, it is a Jesus thing. It's a gospel thing. Now, unity doesn't mean uniformity. Uniformity is normally what drives all of our groups, right? We find people who look like us and we feel safe with people who look like us and we feel unsafe with people who don't look like us. So then we find people who look and think and act like us, and then we form groups in that. We've been doing this forever. Yep. Amen. If the church looks like what the world does, yep. then why would we be surprised if people walk by and go, yeah, that's much different than what I see come at on, the country club. Yep. I just, it's not much different. Yep. See, the power of the gospel is that unity is created even when there isn't any uniformity. When we look different, act different, come from different places, this is the power of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why the Apostle Paul makes ethnicity at the heart of Ephesians 2 is because the Apostle Paul wants what we want. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to reach part of the city. Mm -hmm. He didn't just want to reach one type. He wanted to reach everybody. See, you, you hear me say this all the time. You hear me say this all the time. We want a church for anyone and everyone. Yes sir, come on, yes sir. So the theology is Ephesians 2. Church for anyone, that's the first half of Ephesians, right? Broken, busted, if you've sinned, fallen short, Mm -hmm. anybody. You show up in this place, you can find Jesus. That's the first part of Ephesians 2. Everybody, second part of Ephesians 2. It's the, book. Uh-huh. it's the second part, everybody, whether you come from the west side of town, the east side of town, the north side of town, the south side of town, doesn't matter where you come from. Yeah. This church, yes, sir. It's great. for everybody. It's great. This is what the apostle Paul says. Look, he wanted to reach everybody. We wanna reach everybody for Jesus. Amen. We're not trying to prove a point, it's great. do some social good. We're trying to reconcile all people to the name of Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're going to do. But we can't do it if we only pretend like the first part of Ephesians 2 is the only part of the gospel. It is not. It is up and down and it is side to side. And I want to remind you of this. Apostle Paul writes it this way, verse 14. Love it. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both you pick the ethnicity, mm-hmm. pick it, made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Yes. White, black, mm-hmm. Brown, black, mm-hmm. white. Brown, you name it, this is what Jesus came to do, to break down the dividing wall of hostility. We cannot be a church yes, sir. that undoes what Jesus did. Come on. Great. We can't rebuild the walls that Jesus came to knock down. Yep. Yeah. We have to be a place that just naturally does what the Apostle Paul naturally did, which flowed out of what Jesus did on the cross. This is what we have to be. Because at the end of the day, we know that what speaks to the veracity of the gospel is a transformed heart and a transformed community. Not part of the community, all the community. All of it. All of it. I used to say this years ago. Some of you will r- r- probably remember this phrase. Sometimes, when I'd see young people really like fall in love with Jesus, they sometimes can go like crazy overboard, right? With like their passion for Christ. They want to walk into bars and they want to pray around crack houses, like Pastor um, Harvey was talking about last week. We used to say, Hey, don't be so heavenly minded. That you're of no earthly good, right? Here's what I fear. I fear as Christians, sometimes many of us are just way too earthly minded. Yes, we are, We just are. Yes, we are. And that sometimes we as Christians, Christians, followers of Jesus, we have a stronger commitment to our political party than we do the gospel. Ouch. And we'll defend our political leaders Ouch. to the end. Come on, it's great. Or, 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 maybe we're more committed to our news channels than we are the gospel. Or maybe we're more committed to our football teams Ouch. than we are. Ouch. Right? Some of you are like, I'm Ouch. done turning this off. <laughs> My God! My God! <laughs> Look across the line. Someone said. <laughs> What would it look like? What would it look like if we rallied around the gospel with the same veracity of any of the above? What would that look like? Wouldn't it look different? Wouldn't it look different? Look, we are accountable to the law of Christ as followers of Jesus, period. The law of Christ is super simple. We have to love each other the way that Jesus loved us. That means we lay down our rights. We step into places that, you know, honestly, you don't have to. You don't have to if you're not a follower of Jesus. You live your own life. Do what you want to do. But as a follower of Jesus, we're subject to that law. We're subject to it because it's a command from Jesus. He commands us through the law of Christ. This is the way in which we have to exist with each other. That's That's great. And we're accountable to that law. And this is what's so awesome about that law. But if you read the verse, Jesus says in John 13, a new command I'm giving you. Love each other like I've loved you. Now listen to what he says. And by this, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple. You notice that? You notice he doesn't say, it's by how much you show devotion to me. It's how that devotion translates side to side that shows to an onlooking world that we have something different. So, this is the truth. This is the great unifier of all Christians, right? This is, this is the great unifier of all Christians. You notice, like, as the Apostle Paul lays it out, as Jesus puts it forth, he's saying, look, we're all fallen. We're all broken. Doesn't matter your skin color. Doesn't matter where you grew up. Look, you're all busted. You need me. And there is no difference. There is no black church, no white church, no brown church. There is my church. That's it. That's it. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. You, all of you. every No, no caveats. He doesn't call out. He doesn't say some of you. He says Mm -hmm. all of you, Mm -hmm." all of these people. You are one in Christ. This is the great message. And the reality is, if we're ever going to make headway in seasons like this, We have to be unified. Mm -hmm. Like that's the great beauty of the cross. Like the cross brings all people to the foot. Mm -hmm. Reconciles all people Mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have any qualifications. You believe one family, Mm -hmm. one place. And tell me, tell me this. If, If we modeled that well in seasons like this one, wouldn't the world walk by and go, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, how are you all mm-hmm. doing that? Because what I see is people at each other's throats. Yep. I see people ready to yep. kill each other, mm. verbally slash each other, mm. don't engage with each other, mm-hmm. try to separate each other, Come divide on. from each other. Yep. And you have a place that yep. loves each other, it's great. looks crazy different than each other, like eats at each other's house, breaks bread, supports, sells their stuff like Acts 2 for each other. Wait, <laughs> you gotta help me understand. Yeah, that's great. Come on. That's the gospel. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yes, sir. <sighs> We're gonna build a place like that. Because that's what Jesus would have us do. Not because I have some vision, or our church has some vision, or we had some grand idea. It wasn't mine. It was the Apostle Paul. He's a genius. He's the guy, right? He lays it out for us here. That This is what we have to be. And if we are this, if we're this, what we do is, remember Jesus' prayer, heaven coming down here? See, when we're this, you know what that is? That's heaven coming, coming down here, right? Reconciling all men to him and reconciling each of us to each other. Let's pray. God, give us the courage to step into your will, into your word, and to be the place that you had in mind. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to the fullness of the gospel, that we have the courage to live it, to experience it, because it is in the fullness of the gospel that we find life and security. There is but one kingdom that will last forever. We pledge allegiance to that kingdom. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to part one of the Citizens of Heaven series with lead pastor Eric Parks. You can experience the entire service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page. Or go to our channel on YouTube at Heartland CC Rockford. You can also watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.